following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, it was hard to wait for Christmas. You guys as well? It was hard to wait for Christmas. Christmas is coming, and you're like, when is it coming? And then finally you get ready, there's a tree, but there's no gifts, and like you're waiting, waiting. And then as soon as there's gifts under that tree, if you were like me, you grab them, and you shake them, and you rattle them, and you listen, and you try to figure out what's in there. And then you're always asking if you can get into the gift early, and the answer is usually no. It's usually no. You have to wait. You have to wait. You have to wait for Christmas, and waiting... Waiting is hard sometimes. Waiting is hard. In life, waiting is hard. Um, There's a lot of things in life we have to wait for. Christmas is one of them. Uh, Sometimes, uh, I know we have some pregnant moms in the church right now, and they're at a point where they wish it would happen already. Amen? Can I get an amen, sisters? Amen. Waiting for the baby to come. How long do you have to wait when you feel like you're ready and you're waiting and waiting. So sometimes there's, there's almost a little pain in the waiting when we're waiting for something. Uh, maybe some single and wondering when are you going to be married and you're waiting. God, when are you going to orchestrate this, this, this understanding of two lives coming together and you're waiting? I understand. We all lived in that space. Many of you are wondering that right now. Press on. Keep your eyes on the prize. God makes everything beautiful in its time. In its time, God makes things beautiful. But the waiting can be painful. Um, In Israel's history, Israel had some seasons of waiting where they had to wait. And I want to focus on something today. We're going to look at a few passages. Uh, If you want to open up to Luke chapter 1, you can turn there. As I set this up a little bit, Israel had some seasons of waiting. And they had some very long seasons of waiting. And the one I want to specifically talk to you about is, is a season where they were waiting to hear from God. They were waiting to hear from God. They lived in a time where they heard from God often, that God was speaking through the prophets, and and some of the prophets, when you look at your Bible, your Old Testament, some of these prophets were living in the same time as the other prophet, Elijah and Elisha, and many of your minor prophets in the Bible. They're living in the same era. It's almost like, here's the, the, the baton, tag, you're it. Sometimes they were living at the same time, literally hanging out together, the prophets. In in the Bible, there's a story of uh, Saul when he was anointed king, and he's coming down the hill with a whole bunch of prophets. They're They're all a whole bunch of them up there prophesying on the hill. So these prophets of God, hearing from God, sharing God's wisdom and word with all of Israel was common. Then, then, God stopped speaking. God stopped speaking. But it wasn't for a year. It wasn't for 10 years. It wasn't for 100 years. It was for 400 long years where Israel is saying, what happened? God was talking and he's not speaking to us anymore and they're waiting and waiting and waiting 400 long years to hear revelation from God Almighty. Now that's a long time. Maybe in your life there's something you're praying about and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Maybe there's other things you're waiting for or praying for, but in Israel's case, we're gonna look at some things. They were waiting a long time to hear from God. And you can imagine what it would have been like 
for them. If you were to say, if say you were living in that time and you were to ask your parents, mom, dad, have you ever heard from God? Has God ever spoken to you? Has he spoken to us? Come on, dad, what, is he, he's the living God. Has he said anything? No, we haven't heard from him, son, we haven't. Let's ask grandma. Hey, grandma, have you heard from God? Have you ever? No, I can't say I actually have. Well, what about great-grandma? Let's ask great-grandma. Great-grandma comes in the room and says, no, I haven't heard from God, but your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandma and grandpa, they heard from God. They used to hear from God, but we haven't heard from God. I want to look at today, I want us to look at breaking the silence when you're waiting a long time to hear from God and God comes busting through, crashing through, speaking loudly and profoundly and I want to look at the gap of time. I want us to look at what is the last thing he did say and how was the silence broken? Because I think in this narrative of scripture, this same thing will apply to your life too. There's things in here, if you're waiting on God in certain areas of your life, there's gonna be some application here as we look at this setup. So um, I just want to look at a couple of scriptures. You don't need to turn there, but to set this up a little bit, if we're trying to understand um, this season of silence, if we're trying to understand why God would not speak for 400 years or how he leveraged this and why he did this, because he does this with reason and purpose, we try to understand it, it would be important to look at the last thing that God did say. What is the last thing that God did say because there was 400 long years before he said anything else. So I want to look at a couple of the very last statements God said, which you're going to find in the Old Testament. Again, you don't have to turn there. And it's the last book of the Old Testament. And it's the last chapters. And one of these is the last sentences, literally, that God spoke before 400 long years of silence before he comes breaking through into our world with revelation and prophecy and the miraculous again. And it says in Malachi 3.1, God's, this is one of the last thing God wants Israel to know before the silence. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way for me. God's saying, I'm gonna send a messenger who's gonna prepare the way for me, the, the way for God. God's like, there's gonna be some silence. But you're going to know when I'm coming because I'm sending a messenger and I'm going to be right behind. God's like, hold on to that one. And he also says in Malachi 4.4, and it's literally one of the last sentences in the Old Testament, he says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. He's saying this, you may not hear for a while, you got revelation, Stick to this, walk it out. This is my ways, these are my ways. This, this is the way I will bless your life. Follow my statutes, walk in these things and then I'm gonna send a messenger and I'm gonna be right behind. So Israel has this final message. He's got this final message. Then after this, 400 long years of waiting. People wondering when this is gonna happen. When is God gonna break through into our world again, waiting for Messiah. Many uh, Jewish people that you know today, if they're not followers of Christ, they're still waiting for Messiah. There was a 400-year wait. The wait is over. Uh, Messiah came 2,000 years ago. We celebrate that on Christmas. Um, but but this, here's the wait. Now, a lot of people think that when uh, this 400 years of silence ended, 
It started with Mary and Joseph, but it didn't. It started with Zacharias and Elizabeth. And so a lot of us aren't familiar with uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, but the story to set it up, we're going to call them Zach and Beth for short, okay? And we're going to read through this passage, Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 5 through 19, and we're going to see how God breaks through 400 long years of silence, beginning in your New Testament on the first chapter in the book of Luke. And it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly divisions of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Get a picture of that. You, you're, you're the priest, right? But they only pick somebody once a year. You're going to go in and you're going to burn incense in there. And, and they go, um, they have all the worshipers coming around praying like, okay, dude, we got you covered. You're going to go into God's presence. No one else gets to go in there. You're going to get to go in there. We're praying for you when you're in there. The, the idea in Israel, the fear, the concern was that if somebody's life wasn't right, they might die in the presence of God because there was no provision for sin yet, not fully. And so they were outside worshiping and praying while you go in there to meet with God, go in God's presence to light this incense. That's where Zechariah is. He's the guy chosen to do this. Very cool. Moves on in verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer uh, has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will, be a great, he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born, and he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, Zechariah asked the angel, how can, it, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. So this is how the 400 long years of silence is broken. Zechariah, he's in the temple an angel shows up and he speaks to him and he says, guess what? It's time, it's on, and you're involved. It's time, it's on, you're involved. God's speaking again. He sent me, I stand right in his presence and he's coming to you and he's coming into your house and he's coming into your world and you are gonna get to raise the first prophet in 400 years. There's been no prophet in 40 years. Your son is going to be the prophet. 
the first prophet. You're going to get to be the parent of the first prophet in 400 long years. That's pretty explosive. This prophet, he's going to, he's going to change the atmosphere of Israel. He's going, to, he's going to change things around. He's going to be called John, known as the Baptist. He'll get people ready for God's son, and he will minister in the power of Elijah, and the silence is now over. So when I look at something like this, I want us to incur, uh, ask this question. Why is 400 years of silence broken with Zechariah and Elijah? Why them? Why, why them? I mean, God could have picked anybody, um, but he picked Zechariah and Elijah. And now God is sovereign. He can pick who he wants, when he wants, the way he wants, for whatever purpose he wants. He can do that. This isn't about cracking the code or figuring it all out, but I do believe there are biblical principles in place in the word of God that you and I can lean from and we will see why God puts his favor on people sometimes. Why does God choose and raise up certain people? It could just be his sovereignty and it's just his choice. But I also believe there are character assets of people. There are heart conditions of people. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely his so he can strongly support them. So God is looking for hearts and he wants to support them. He finds Zechariah and Elizabeth here and says, bam, you guys, silence is over. It's on, breaking silence through you. You get to raise the first prophet 400 years. Why them? Verse six tells us something pretty interesting. I think we have it for up here. Says something about them, their life. It says about their their character, their perspective, their priorities. It says something very insightful that I want us to see it this morning. It says in verse six, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now think about this. It would be very easy, just like in Israel's history, when you haven't heard from God in a while, to start wandering off in your own direction. I mean, children do that, right? If you don't speak to them and correct them or something, they're off painting on the wall or doing something they should. You got, you got to reel them back in a little bit. In Israel's history in the desert, God would do a miracle, and then they'd go another month or two and start going, where's God? And they would start complaining and going a different direction. So there's this ongoing narrative of what will you do when you don't hear from God? What do you do when you don't hear from God? Uh, in Israel's case right here, um, we're seeing Israel is not in a great position right here. If you look historically at Israel, the Temple Mount was corrupt, the priesthood was corrupt. There's a big drift in society going on, but not with Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zach and Beth, they're like, God is first, and we're gonna live God's way. And you might say, yeah, but what if you haven't heard from God in 400 years? Is God still around? And, and some of us have asked this question. You know you've had situations in your life where you're asking God to show up and you haven't seen breakthrough and you've asked the question, be honest, where are you, God, right? Where are you? Do you even see this, God? Do you even hear me? Can I get some honesty in God's house? You, do you even hear me, God? Do you even know? Do you care about this, God? I keep, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I don't know, God. I, just, I don't know if you're hearing me. Maybe my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I, Maybe they're not getting through. Maybe, maybe you don't care. Maybe not. That's the honest condition of the human heart. It's a valid question, but I want to remind you today something about these guys. In the absence of hearing from God, it did not change who they were and what they did. In the absence of hearing from God. This is important because sometimes when you don't hear, you just stop. You, you go, whatever, why pray? I already prayed about that. 
Talk to people all the time. Do you pray about it? Yeah, I already prayed about that. Past tense. The Bible says, keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Be like the persistent widow. You go at the throne. You cry out to God. You go like you mean it, like you're intentional, like you want in his presence, like you have a burden. You're like, God, I love you. I need you to break through in this area. You don't just go, I threw it up like spaghetti against the wall. Did it stick? Maybe it did. Okay. No, I already did that. That's not the concept of prayer at all all in the Bible. It's pray without ceasing. And sometimes we're praying and waiting and praying and waiting and you're waiting. But if you're praying and walking right, you're in a good place. But if you're not praying and waiting, that's where we start to drift and get into a bad place, waiting. God wants to break through the silence in your life too, in areas that you're waiting, you're camping out, you're waiting for God, you're waiting for breakthrough. He wants to do the same in your life. But I would encourage you to hold on to some of these things that are happening right here Why Zach and Elizabeth? It says they were, even though they weren't hearing from God for a long, long time, they were walking right in the sight of God. They were observing his ways, his decrees. They were were saying, God, I don't know. I haven't heard from you, but I know one thing. You still see everything. Even if I haven't heard from you, I know you see me. I know you see everything. So I am gonna keep pressing on and praying and serving you and waiting and you're going to do what you do when you're ready but I'm not going to shrink back I'm not going to quit I'm not going to fade away I'm going to press on that is an an integral aspect of faith and character that I think we need to hold on to maybe maybe it's reasons like that that they were chosen if you're a note taker this morning write these down would you please a couple of key things if you want breakthrough in your life if you're waiting for God waiting to hear from him, waiting for him to answer a prayer. If you're waiting, I want to encourage you to camp out on a couple of these, but the first one is this. Have an intentional lifestyle of honoring and serving God. Have an intentional lifestyle of honoring and serving God. These guys, they weren't passive about where God is in their life. Uh, They they didn't expect that uh, the world revolves around them. They knew the world revolves around God. And no matter what, even if they didn't hear from him, they said, we're still going to honor and serve God because he is central to our lives. What we tend to do sometimes is maybe put God on a shelf a little bit, and then the world revolves around us. And and we wouldn't qualify for this kind of blessing. I don't really believe that. Um, I don't think we would qualify. God is looking for hearts that are his to strongly support. God's waited 400 years for breakthrough. He found them. He's like, I like it. I like what I see. And so uh, have an intentional lifestyle of honoring and serving God. And the second one is this. When God is not speaking, hold on to the last thing he did tell you. When God is not speaking, hold on to the last thing that he did tell you. God speaks God speaks today. He speaks through his word. He speaks by his spirit. We don't have to wait 400 long years, family. There's the beauty in that one. But, but still, sometimes, even as a believer, you're asking God, you're asking him to speak, and you haven't heard him in a while. Oh, he will speak, but I've gone through seasons in my life like that where I hear God semi-regularly, and then sometimes I haven't heard him in a while, and I'm like, what's the deal? Is it me? Is it me? And I wonder, is it me? And I'm like, what, what do I got to do to get right? And I found that God wants me to walk in faith to the last thing he told me. Just like Israel here, even if I'm not speaking right now, God is saying, what is the last thing I did tell you? You go back to the book of Malachi, the last book in the Bible, the last statements God ever made, and he's saying, I'm going to send somebody before me, before God comes, 
Emmanuel, God with us, I'm going to send somebody, but you keep walking in my ways. You keep walking in my statutes. I'm still watching you. You might not hear from me, but I'm watching you. You and I have to do the same thing. So the second point is when God is not speaking, hold on to the last thing that he did tell you. The last thing that he did say actually matters a lot. It matters a lot. And sometimes we're praying for things and, and, and we're not even doing the last thing God said and we're moving on to the next thing. God's like, actually, I'm a God of order <laughs> and I have blessing for you, but would you, would you finish what you started? Um, finish what you started. He, he's a, he, he completes our faith. You know, the work he began in us, he will bring to completion. And so sometimes when, when God gives us something, he wants to follow through on it with obedience, when he gives us a test, he wants us to pass the test. And and in this case here, sometimes we want the next revelation and we haven't obeyed the last one. And so when God is not speaking, hold on to the last thing he did tell you. Uh, This passage, we're gonna pick it back up in verse 26. um, And this is what it says in in, uh, the rest of the narrative here. It says, uh, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words, at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So God sends the angel Gabriel to Mary now. It's interesting, these angels weren't moving around giving messages for 400 years and now they're busy all of a sudden. God's sending messengers first to Elizabeth and now to Mary and says, you, Mary, have been chosen, chosen by God. You've been found with favor in God's eyes. Once again, this favor, this chosen. Why does God pick who he picks? He's sovereign, he can pick anybody he wants to pick. But he looks at Mary and goes, there's something beautiful here. And it's on the inside. There's something profound about her. Now, when we get to heaven, we can ask these questions, you know, why this person and why that person? And God is sovereign. Again, he can pick anybody he wants to pick for whatever purposes. But I can't ignore the fact who God picks. And we can't ignore the characteristics and the heart condition of the people God picks. The ones that God puts his favor on. The one God moves mightily through. We have to take note of some of these things. And she is baffled that she's chosen. She can't comprehend this. She's like, I don't even deserve this. I don't understand. What do you mean I've found favor? How could I find favor? But I want you to look at one thing in verse 38 that Mary acknowledges. Mary acknowledges this. 
she's saying in verse 38 that I'm God's servant. No one thing. I haven't heard from God in 400 years. No one has my parents, their parents. No one's heard from God. But I'm walking in his ways, even if I don't hear from him. And no one thing. My identity in life is my life is not my own. I'm a servant of God. And there's something about Mary's heart condition of being a servant of God. Say that with me, servant of God. One more time. The servants of God get in on this stuff, guys. The servants of God get in on this stuff. God is looking for these people with this heart condition, this disposition. People that are out serving themselves, God's not picking them. People that say, God, you're first, God's moving in their life. There's a common denominator in some of these choices where God's picking people and putting his favor on them. And Mary, in this case, says, says, hey, first of all, I'm God's servant. So whatever God wants me to do, I'm good with that. And God already knew that before Mary was told this. God saw those, so, those things in her. She's like, I'm God's servant, and she agrees that God's word is true. Anything God says, anything God speaks, I believe it. And I think that's important for you and I. If our disposition is, I am a servant of God, and if God says it, it's true, that's beautiful. That lines you up to put you in a place of God doing something great in your life. Some, some great thing. But, it, but if God's word is not true or sort of true or I don't really know if that part's true and we start putting it on a shelf or if you think I'm not really a servant of God, my life is my own. I want God to do things for me. I want God to serve me. Then unfortunately, I don't think you find favor and breakthrough like we're finding in the story here. The story of God's favor and breakthrough are people that say I am a servant of God and God's word is true. I'm just telling you there's some profound denominators in this that we can't ignore. We can't get by them. So if you want to find a place of application of how this applies to your life as well, I would consider this to be the third point this morning. To stand on his word and live to serve God. Like Mary, if God says it, it's true. Stand on his word. I mean, believe it. Stand on the word. Not like, well, I don't know. No, if God says it, I believe it. Mary goes, I get it. If God says it, I'm good with that. If God spoke it, I'm good with that. I'm God's servant. So third point, stand on his word and live to serve God. And the, the last section I would like us to read is Luke chapter two, one through seven. And this is, uh, although this is the Christmas story, I wanna encourage you guys, this is our, uh, this is our pre-Christmas service. Our Christmas service is uh, Christmas Eve service on Thursday, uh, when, Thursday night. And so I would encourage you guys to come back for, a, for an intimate uh, Christmas Eve service as we honor the birth of Jesus. But it says this in chapter two, in those days, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree uh, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that w- took place under Quirinius, uh, while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in uh, Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So Mary and Joseph, they travel uh, as an engaged couple uh, to, to Bethlehem to register. Everyone in the empire had to register and all the hotels are full. 
And so I want you to think about this. The long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah comes into the world in a barn or a cave, some might say. Wherever the animals stayed, out in a cave, out in a barn, the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, Emmanuel, comes into the world in a barn, is wrapped in virtually rags, cloths, whatever kind of cloth you can find. Get them together. And placed to rest in a manger, which is an animal feeding trough, where you feed the animals, you put the hay for the animals to eat, that's out, the baby's in. You go, wait a second. This long-awaited Messiah is coming into the world, the king of kings whose reign will never end. I'm a little confused as why would God allow this? And I would encourage us to have a little perspective uh, change, a little understanding, because we have this perspective of the way it ought to be. Many of us do. It ought to be this way. And when it's not this way, we kind of have a fundamental problem with things. Church ought to be this way. The workplace ought to be this way. Whatever's not this way, we kind of struggle with why isn't it that way? It ought to be that way. Well, listen, the kingdom of God doesn't look like it should go down this way. It doesn't look like it should happen this way. If I were to write the story, I wouldn't do it this way, and probably we wouldn't either. He deserves so much more than this. He doesn't deserve to be out in a barn in an animal feeding trough on his first night into this world. But when you, when you look at scripture, this is the way the newborn king, God with us, Emmanuel, comes into the world. And I, I think the reason is, is because we have to understand this about the kingdom of God. That God uses the simple things to confound the wise. He's always used the simple things to confound the wise. He's always used the least likely Because in our weakness, he is shown to be strong. When we are weak, he is strong. If he was to pick the most endowed couple in the Roman Empire, this prince and princess to, you know, with all this money coming out of the kingdom to be the parents, there wouldn't be a story here. There wouldn't be a breakthrough here. God is breaking through silence in a profound way of humility. This story speaks completely of humility. You're picking somebody like Mary And she's like, first of all, I don't know how I found favor with God. I don't deserve favor with God. I'm not even really worthy. I just know one thing. God's word's true and I'm a servant. God's like, bravo. That's exactly how this kingdom's gonna happen here through people like you who understand that God's word's true. You stand on it and you believe you're a servant. God's gonna shape and do amazing, amazing things with that. So Jesus, and in fact, this would be a good time for the worship team to come up. So Jesus grows up and later goes on to say profound statements. This is Emmanuel. This is God's son. Says, hey, guess what? This son of man right here, he goes, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And everyone's like, wait, you're, you're God's son. You deserve so much more than it. You, 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 what do you mean? He's like, I want you to know that I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And I also want to tell all of you, Jesus would say, as you've seen me do, you do also. As you've seen me do, you do also. And so we find all the early believers, beginning with uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and everyone else who starts to come into this picture that we're gonna be looking at Wednesday, the shepherds in the field. We're gonna look at the magi coming from far away. They all got this servant heart going, oh, it ain't about me. (laughs) It's all about him. 
I believe his word, I'm gonna follow through on it, and I'm gonna come, and then they're gonna come with this profound humility in, in the presence of, of King Jesus. So I, I would say the fourth point this morning, this is our final point, is to take Jesus' lead, to take his lead, and to be a humble servant. Take his lead and be a humble servant. You know, a lot of times around Christmas, we're thinking about gifts, what are we gonna get? You know, all this, we, we think of these things, and I would encourage you to flip it around Flip it around through the heart of Jesus. Not to be served, but to serve. Instead of thinking what you can get, think of what you can give. Think of, instead of being blessed, think of who you can be, who you can bless. You know, in times like this, guys, we can be, we can be around Christmas, but not actually be in Christmas. Amen? We can be around it, but not be in it. I want to encourage you this year, be right up in it. Be all up in Christmas. Not around it. The festivities, the periphery, the stuff going on, what are we going to get? Get into Christmas, the heart of God, the heart of God's son, the heart of everyone in this story, that when we stand on his word, we believe it, we wait and we pray and we wait and we pray and we keep our heart right even if we don't hear from him, even if he hasn't answered our prayer, we press on intentionally in a lifestyle like everyone in this story and we say, I'm standing on his word. No matter what, I'm not quitting on his word. And no matter what, I'm just a humble servant. I'm gonna follow through on this thing. All of these people got right into the middle of the Christmas narrative. And I would encourage you guys, no matter where you're at in life, that's the zone you wanna be. That is the zone you wanna be. So on that note, I wanna close in prayer. And um, I also just wanna encourage, you know, some of you today have a respect for God, you honor God, but um, I, I would encourage you the Bible doesn't just talk about having a respect for God or honoring him. The Bible talks about letting him be the Lord of your life, which literally means the king of your universe, the king of your universe. And although that might sound like a good idea to you, I don't know if there's been a date in life or a time in life where you officially, you could look back at a calendar and say, yes, that was the day I officially set it where God, I'm making you the king and I'm getting off the throne. And, and we're gonna close in prayer, but I wanna give you that opportunity and I would encourage you, if that's you this morning and maybe there's a few people here this morning, uh, God is saying it is time. God's saying it's on, it's time. The time is now. It's time to get in on my plan. It's time to get in on this, this, this story to be played out. God's got such a greater story for your life. So let's close in prayer right now. Mighty God, I thank you for what this story is about here, this, this historical narrative of scripture and the people that you use through silence, God. And I just pray for everyone in this room, if there is a silence, God, I pray for a breakthrough, God. I pray we would walk like they did, that we'd be intentional, asking, seeking, and knocking, and not quitting, but walking right before you, God. And people like that will find favor. You always reward obedience. You always bless lifestyles like this, God. So I just pray we would walk that way, God. And I pray, Lord, for those that are waiting, Lord, that you would give a comfort, you'd give a sign, uh, you'd give something, Lord, to just show that you're still with them and that you will, in fact, make everything beautiful in its time. Everything we're waiting for, God, you're gonna make it beautiful in its time. But Lord, I also just wanna pray, Lord God, for any um, this morning who haven't had that full... uh, the day of surrender, literally uh, getting off the throne. I just want to, Lord, I know you're knocking on some hearts and and you're saying, um, I'm knocking on your heart and if you will let me in, I will come in. But I won't come in unless you let me in. But I don't want to just come in as somebody you check in on once in a while. I want to come in as the Lord, as the king of your life. 
And I just want to encourage you this morning to take a profound step of boldness with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed. It's just between you and the Lord. If that's you and you know God's calling on your heart, then I just, I just want, you to, want to agree with you in prayer. So if that's you this morning where you sense God calling you to a deeper relationship with him and now's the time to take the step, I encourage you to raise your hand. Anybody this morning? I just want to agree with your prayer. Amen. The Lord sees your hand. Keep them up. The Lord sees your hand. The Lord is pleased with you. You need to know the Lord is pleased with you this morning. Anybody else this morning that needs to make that dedication, that commitment to the king? Amen. Well, let's, let's just ask God right now, Lord, you see the hands? And so in the privacy of your own heart, just say this. So just say, uh, Jesus, I make you king, and I, I turn from my ways to follow you. I believe you died on a cross and rose from the grave, but Lord, I'm following you from here on out, God. So today is my day. Uh, today is my day that I get in. Today is a marked day in history. When I, when I think of Christmas time 2015, that's when I fully started to get in on Emmanuel, God with us, and started walking with you. Lord, I just pray for a profound blessing on those who made that prayer this morning, that confession of faith. Uh, Lord, that you would do a profound new thing, that they would be right smack in the middle of Christmas like they never could have imagined before, and they would get it in three dimension. They would get it in surround sound. They would get the kingdom of God in a whole new display and demonstration, Lord, as you begin to put your spirit in them even now, even this morning, you place your spirit in them and begin to wake them up and stir their hearts and show them great and mighty things they know not of. We thank you so much, Lord, for those decisions for you. And I pray for everybody else's week, Lord, that we would, uh, we would walk in the fullness of what this Christmas narrative is all about. We love you and thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages, or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.